Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, August 28, 2008. The opportunity awaits each and every human being to experience the limitless aspects of your infinite self by connecting to the truth and light within you via love, positive intention, faith, trust, and hope. The possibilities become alive. Ask for your higher self-loving guidance today. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant, and clairaudient intuitive, a writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com and you can also further explore more about Evolution Revolution and myself on my new blog at www.evolutionrevolutionwithdulcinea.com. Thank you for joining the show today, wherever you may be listening. On Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Michelle Epiphany Prosser, President of Energy Focus Coaching and Consulting, who works with organizations and individuals to reach goals and manifest a better life. She is committed to deepening her spirituality and increasing self-awareness so that she can model to clients what she teaches. She holds an MA in Communication Studies from the University of Virginia, Certification in Communication Styles Assessment and Life Purpose Process, and is a trained coach through Success Unlimited Network and Corporate Coach U International. She has coached, taught, and worked with senior executives, governors, cabinet secretaries, congressmen, college presidents, and small business owners. In addition to helping them reach their goals, she has prepared them for major speeches, political debates, and national television appearances. Before becoming a coach, Michelle worked for 20 years in government and politics, including leadership positions for three Virginia governors and a congressman. Michelle's emphasis is on increasing focus and energy, improving communication, and identifying self-defeating behavior. Her general coaching style is based on the belief that her clients have most of the answers inside. She helps clients design systems to support their success and to disable their inner critic. Michelle is frequently interviewed by the media on setting goals and creating the life you want. Her message is that we live the life we want not by doing, but by being. It is not what we do in life, but the energy we hold while we do it that determines one's success in life. During the next hour, Michelle will enlighten us about getting in touch with the divine through her book release, Excuse Me, Your God is Waiting, that focuses on the law of attraction maximized with the power of prayer. Welcome, Michelle. Well, I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you so kindly. So what was your personal inspiration for the integration of the power of prayer and manifestation that led to the phenomenal creation of this book, Excuse Me, Your God is Waiting, Love Your God, Create Your Life, and Find Your True Self? Well, I had had a series of life crises and um, had been very inspired by uh, Neil Donald Walsh's book, Conversations with God, and Lynn Grabhorn's book, Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting. And even before I found those books, I had kind of stumbled upon the law of attraction principles and worked with them in my life without really knowing that there was some law out there. And uh, so then when I found those books, they really helped focus me. And um, 
it, you know, it is nothing like crisis to kind of make us uh, see things very clearly and force us to change. And so, um, you know, in my in my crisis, I had a child uh, die at birth who I had very, very much wanted and had had infertility treatments and lots of problems conceiving. And um, out of that, I learned to kind of let go and surrender and and vision a family, and then this family came to me very in a very extraordinary way, um, just exactly how I'd envisioned it. And it was the first time I realized I live in grace. I miracles really do happen in everyday life. Wow! So it was your personal experience that really led to this creation. Yes, yes, and 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 struggling through it, you know. Um, for example, uh, I was in a coach group that was working with the, excuse me, your life is waiting principles. We were meeting on the phone um, once a week and emailing each other every day to create things. And in the middle of it, um, my husband lost his job because he had a very bad temper. And then, you know, two-thirds of the way through it, uh, I had a very, just the end uh, the last thing that I could take from the marriage, and I finally decided I had to leave him, and I left him while I was in um, the hospital uh, recovering from surgery. And so there I was playing with these ideas of the law of attraction well in crisis. And it was really um, interesting because, you know, one of the things that people who teach the law of attraction say is you have to be in a happy, feeling place. <laughs> so... So how do you become, how do you get to that place um, when you're in crisis? And, and for me, it was prayer. It was knowing that, uh, understanding that I wasn't alone, that I had um, higher power that I could really count on to help guide me, and that I didn't have to just create all this stuff myself. Definitely. I, I can relate to that story in my own process. It's very par- parallel. I got um, an awakening or a wake-up call in my life and was also, it was a little bit more graceful in the sense that I was just in nature and they said, you're leaving your marriage. And I thought, well, that's an awakening. <laughs> I have to yeah. go home and figure this, figure this one out. And so within myself, I too had to just begin praying. So I remember I came home from that day in out in Mount Shasta in Northern California. I was out at the creek for the day just enjoying the sunshine and the water. And I went home and I go, just give me a pen and a paper to my best friend. And she goes, okay, I can tell something happened. And I go, oh, yeah, my life's going to change. But I don't know how or what or why. I just know. And so it just really began just by opening up Dear God, which I had started at five years old wow. just intuitively. Yeah, just experiencing the family life led me to, dear God, (laughs) at five. And so it seemed as if when I was reading the book, Excuse Me, Your God is Waiting, I really related to the evolution of your story and the principles that you were bringing through, such as what you were saying is just being in crisis and knowing that you need to tap into something bigger than yourself to manifest your desires. There's not necessarily an implication of religion or rules to that. It's just a matter of knowing there's something grander that can support the transformation before me. That's exactly right. And, you know, one of the things I kind of quibble with other Law of Attraction teachers on, including Lynn Grabhorn, who very much inspired me, is this concept that you can just flip a switch (laughs) and be into the happy feeling place. Because 
our subconscious is still carrying it around and our our you know, we can stuff feelings down but they're gonna come out and sometimes not in such healthy ways. So I really believe in through prayer getting strength to work through things and to move into a place where we have gratitude in our life even though we're unhappy. Uh, we can see joy in things, even if we're having a, a tough time. And then that helps us turn us to a place of, of more joy and more happiness and and more being able to be in that positive flow. Yes, and that requires a very humble being to be in a space of knowing they're not in their highest energetic state. They're not feeling necessarily really peachy keen about life, but know that joy does exist when the butterfly flies by or when the child smiles in front of them. They can acknowledge that joy, but not necessarily feel that from within, but know that that joy is possible. The energetic potential for it is there, therefore there's hope. That's right. And and, and some of that means letting that this tough shell of ego dissolve a little bit so that we can be able to be in that flow more in life. I just came back, you know, I'm an executive coach and trainer, and I'm getting a lot of work these days with strategic planning as the economy tightens because people want to really focus on their priorities. And I I just came back from um, facilitating where one of a board member, I left there thinking, you know, his ego is so rigid, and I, I feel for him. I see his suffering, that he feels like he needs to control everything. Because if he doesn't, maybe, you know, he's going to lose it. And um, so, you know, it's part of just being able to, to soften a little bit and see that there's a flow of life. And I, I, I said in my book that I often tried to push the river. You know, I was a very, very driven career woman who was going to make things happen, including getting my body pregnant and making my marriage work, even though it it wasn't. And um, it's understanding that, that there's a gift in the tragedies that we have in our life and there's a certain direction that, that we're being kind of guided in and, and that we can vision where we want to go. But at some point we also surrender to the outcome because sometimes we get something much better than what we had visioned. I couldn't agree more. I think that's one of the main points in the law of attraction from my own experience. <clears throat> my own experience is <clears throat> excuse me, being atta- being unattached to the outcome is really just allowing the outcome to show up and just trusting that the universe sees it in a more grandiose way than I can in my limited self. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple examples. Um with Lynn Grabhorn's book, when I was practicing that, um I started praying really hard that a miracle would happen. I had an abusive husband. Mostly it was verbal. Occasionally it was physical. And But I really loved him. And in a dysfunctional kind of abusive relationship, you know, it was the very best and the very worst, you know, the most romantic and the most horrible. And um, so I started praying that a miracle would open his heart. And... Um, we went to a marriage workshop that a church had, and something cracked open, and he said to me, he didn't know my prayer, a miracle has opened my heart. He used those words. 
And I was just so grateful. But, you know, within six, eight weeks, it fell apart because he didn't have the capability to, to sustain it. The whole time, though, two, three, four years before I left him, I was praying that I would have a husband who cherished and adored me. And I, I kept that prayer up after I left him. And it, but the whole time it was focused like, he's going to be that husband. And now I have a man who's asked me to marry me. And I have all my friends say, I've never seen a man cherish and adore a woman as much as he does. <laughs> so, so you brought it in. <laughs> the prayer was answered. But, it, you know, in those in days when I was thinking that it was my man that I was married to, it wasn't that husband. Um, he wasn't capable of it, and I couldn't force that change upon him. Certainly, free will is an important part of all of our experience, and although the universe used the free will on his behalf, it still was able to bring forth your desired manifestation of a man who cherished and, and honored you. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful example of how we are all capable of using the law of attraction, and there are many more examples in your great book, Excuse Me, Your God is Waiting. So one of the questions that I really have wanted to pose that I thought you brought forth in the book very well, and I just can't wait to hear your answers, who is God? Mm. Well, God is God. God is this big, indescribable energy force, uh, divine intelligence, and mystics, you know, throughout different religions, whether it's the Sufis in Islam or the Catholic mystics or the Hindus or evangelical mystics, they all say God is undescribable. But what we've done in our cultures to get our arms around God, to be able to understand and and get something that our little minds can get around is we've created definitions, we've created archetypes, we've created images. And um, in doing so, Sometimes that has limited us because then it becomes the rule. God is. And if you, even if you look at the Bible, God comes as a dove. God comes as a burning bush. God comes as a voice. Um, but we don't have one picture of God. In um, studies about um, near-death experiences, people report that often they will see someone um, as they're you know, in the near-death transition, and some see Mary, Virgin Mary, some see Jesus. If Hindus see sometimes Shiva, uh, Buddhists see Buddha, and Native Americans see a, maybe a power animal. So I, I think God is God, and uh, we create these images of God to help us get our arms around it. We have to be careful that we don't box ourselves into them. But I also think that because God is such a loving God, that perhaps he, she shows up in the images we create to help us, to help us recognize them. Yes, I couldn't agree more. It's just that unconditional love really meets us where we are. Mm-hmm. 
And so I just want to validate that what I really found with the book, Excuse Me, Your God is Waiting on the Topic of God, was that it really was, I think that Neil Donna Walsh will appreciate this comment, and he's been on the show, just so that's great. We can People can connect back to his episode if they're interested in his teachings, since he did um, write a review for you and was inspirational for you in creating this book. And I can see that his teachings really came across through your book, in your unique way and applications. And I think that is so profound that you were able to take a lot of the principles he presented starting in 1995 and bring them forth through your unique lens and experience. It's very empowering. And I think that you're really leading the next generation. I think he opened up the gateways and you you grabbed the reins and went running with it. So I want to commend you on that, <laughs> most, most certainly. And so that leads me into how does one then tap into their own truth of who God is? Well, we first have to get quiet. You know, we're, we live in a life that's so noisy with so much chatter. And I mean, I, as much as most people, I'm a social butterfly. I fill my life up. But we have to create space so that we can hear because, even in the Bible, they talk about how God is not the um, the tornado and God is not the thunder, and you know, but God is that quiet, still voice. And when God comes through, it's a very subtle voice. And so we have to create space to be able to listen. And it might be that you meditate for 10, 15 minutes in the morning. It might be that you center yourself and write a letter. Uh, like Neil Donald Walsh did, or more like you at five started saying, Dear God. Um, it might be that um, at stoplights, we stop and smile and breathe, like Tit Van Han, the Vietnamese monk, suggests, uh, just to kind of ground ourselves. And also, it's not, you probably have had this experience even more than me because of your uh, clairvoyance. But like, I'll give you an example. I went, my father was here, and I, um, I was taking him to my writing cabin, and it was he had never been to. And um, I was packing, and my eye got drawn over and over again to the Advil or the Aleve, I think, on the counter. And I used to be that I would ignore it, or I would even, my ego would argue around it, or my inner critic and say, you know, you don't need to take that. Well, I went ahead and put it in, and lo and behold, the next day my father fell off the porch and really hurt himself, and he he was laying there groaning on the couch, and he said, you probably didn't bring any leave, did you? (laughs) As a matter of fact, I did. (laughs) And so, you know, more and more, when I get that little, that, you know, maybe it's God whispering, maybe it's just my intuition, I think you know, I think this is all connected myself. But when I get that little tiny nudge, even over something little like a leaf, I, I start honoring that. And it used to be that I would ignore it and then later go, oh, huh, that was trying to tell me something. Yes, it's really bringing in that awareness of the subtleties, and it's usually followed with a feeling and an intuitive energy of, 
I don't know why I'm going to need this leave, but I know I'm going to need this to leave. Or, or, oh, I better not set my keys there because if you do and you come back, they won't be there. <laughs> or whatever, it might, might be a parking spot. You know, there's so many um, instances in the mundane where I find that people can really develop their relationship to the creator, the source, to something bigger than themselves to understand that someone or something is listening. Yeah, it's and, and that's, that's a great way to link it in because I believe baby steps is the way to go. You know, most of us can't immediately open up and start this big conversation. We need to take little steps. And, um, you know, that's why I suggest for people who don't meditate, do 10 minutes. No one can tell a single mom with three kids that they don't have time to meditate, but she does. <laughs> so true, so true. You can manage that. I think a lot of us can. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so in the book, you do some great exercises, and one of the ones that really stood out to me, um, probably because it resonated with my training, but I thought it was very powerful, and you presented it in such a fun way, was the protection roses and the grounding and the golden suns really helping people to develop their personal space and own their energy field since that is a fundamental attraction to use the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. So why don't, maybe you could just go over a few of those exercises, just the idea of grounding and the golden sun meditation or those protection roses. Sure, sure. Well, um, the first of all, just kind of as a preface, um, grounding in is so very important. And I tell clients all the time to feel their feet. In fact, I walked into a uh, local government office yesterday, and there were three of my clients standing around, and they were laughing about this horrible email that one of them got, and they were talking about me, like, the soul says, be the warrior. <laughs> uh-huh. And, um, and I, I, as one was leaving, I said, the one that was really upset, I said, feel your feet because he was talking about, you know, feeling the energy coming up and how he was going to have to put his protections up like I taught him. And it's pretty, I kind of find it humorous that I'm in a local government office and they're talking this way, but clearly people are opening up to this. Um, but that's one of the first things I tell people to do is to feel their feet because it really does ground us in. It pulls all that crazy energy in the head down through your body. Um, so the the prayer that he was referencing and that you've referenced is a Native American prayer. And it's um, it's about protecting your energy field. And I was just telling a client yesterday that, like Carlos Castaneda talks about how he was taught by Don Juan that humans have these tentacles that reach out and attach to everybody. And, and sometimes they drain energy. And so sometimes we can be with somebody who really drains our energy or sometimes we can be under attack or or there are people who are like vampire people who actually puncture us and hurt us. And this protection can really help. So let me just walk people through it. So you would take a deep breath. You would start by feeling your feet and the intention that you're going to protect your space. And then you would start with this Navajo prayer, which pictures a rose. And the reason a rose is used is because it's very beautiful, very uh, delicate, and yet it has a very strong stem and thorns. And throughout ages, 
a rose has been used as a spiritual uh, symbol of protection. So then you would say, beauty is above me, and you would picture a rose above you. Beauty is beneath me. Now you have two roses, one above you and one beneath you. Beauty is behind me. Now you have three roses. Beauty is in front of me. So now you have four roses. Your roses can have any color you want. Often red is very powerful, but whatever color speaks to you. Beauty is to the left and right of me. Now you have six roses. Beauty is all around me. And now you have an entire rose thicket around you. So someone with spiritual sight could look in and see you protected by all these roses, but could not reach in to get you. Would not try to suck energy or attack you or hurt you. Then you end after feeling just in the middle of this rose thicket, just completely surrounded. I am ready and willing to accept the day. So it's saying, okay, I have this blessing and now I can go forward. And if you look, I've traveled a lot and in um, Europe and in Latin America, the pictures of saints and of Mary and Jesus often have like their aura. And then you see roses, especially with Mary, on the outside of the aura. And so this is all a way of just kind of protecting your space in a very gentle way that's not aggressive. But I love that prayer. And people seem to really open to it. My clients open to it because it's, it's you know, when you say Native American and they, they're not worried you're pushing some religious agenda on them. That's very important, I think, to most of us on, as souls um, at this point in our human evolution. I think that a large majority of us are looking to evolve beyond dogma other than our inner truth, considering our inner truth stems from the same unitary source that sustains all of life. And so I think that as as we do encounter these things, we do need to know that there isn't somebody with an agenda pushing down what God is or isn't or how we connect with that energy source of a higher vibration or not. It's really about embracing what feels right from within the heart and within our inner being. And, you know, Ram Das has this great quote that says that people can feel an agenda a mile away coming at them, and they recoil from it. And a relationship with God is an unfoldment, an opening. And the last thing we want is to feel like somebody else has an agenda about that. Absolutely. And that really comes through in the book, Excuse Me, Your God is Waiting. We're speaking with Michelle Epiphany Prosser. You can find her on the web at www.energyfocuscoaching.com. And you can also link up with her through their website, www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. And also we'd like to thank Sarah at Hampton Roads Publishing for aligning me with Michelle today. And you can explore their website at www.hamptonroadspub.com. So how has organized religion then put God in the shoebox of human limitation to expand upon what we were focusing on? Well, I mean, I think the first way is that 
Uh, often we were given images of a patriarchal God, the white grandfather in the sky, um, you know, which doesn't appeal to me. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I really believe that God is both female and male energy because that's the whole, that's the completeness. And so to have one gender um, identified as God is uh, bothersome to me. And, and the other piece is, um, and if you're not the white man, <laughs> if you're an African American, if you're uh, an Indian, if you're Hispanic or Asian, then that's making you separate too. And 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 it has this sense of being separate from us, that there is a separation between us and God. And in terms of the separation often traditional religions have made us, instead of feeling more, like really embracing our magnificence and how we're much more powerful than we remember, they make us feel like we are less. Yes, it's it's in a sense it's a demeaning or an inferior position to God. Yes, and you know, I live in the south of the United States, And so I have many clients who will say, well, you know, I'm not worthy. And I say, where are you getting this from? Is it parents? And a lot of them who came up in fundamentalist religions will say, well, you know, know, we all stand and we're not worthy and we're just lucky God even, you know, gives us rain or (laughs) gives us a house or, you know. And and I, I, I just say... You know, let's flip this on its head. We're God's precious children. And when I have my children, I don't think, oh, you don't deserve this. I think you deserve so much more than what I can even give you. That's a very, very powerful point that many religions are based in such a lack belief system, whether it be in terms of love or finances, that they can't grasp the unity of the oneness with God. And and how powerful each of us are. I mean, I think that's why the law of attraction is threatening to some people because it forces them to take responsibility for their life and to see how powerful they are. They cannot be the victim. They have to say, wow, I can create what I want in my life. And what's so interesting on this note is that Jesus, one of the most prominent Western spiritual teachers in the history of our humanity, used the laws of manifestation and the law of attraction every day for healing, for his teachings. There wasn't a book. There wasn't a Bible. there There weren't any rules when he was doing this. He simply just used his fullest energetic human potential to create miracles daily in his own experience and in others' experiences, primarily through service, to show and demonstrate others their potential today within themselves, that they can create that today if they so choose. That is so true. I think that really shows the power of being accountable for our actions through the law of manifestation. I think Jesus was a great role model of showing how to be accountable and how to use our powers in the light and create a service life using optimally prayer and the law of attraction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the most famous quotes 
for people who study the law of attraction is ask and you shall receive. Yes, yes, that, that is so true. That is so Often true. And again, and again, I think like you said earlier, um, or you said in the book, receiving is such an important part of the law of attraction because we can manifest, 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 and it's almost as if we create a brick wall at times and all the manifestations are right on the other side of that brick wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we don't know it. So what would you recommend for someone in their life who knows that, okay, I have a, um abandonment schema or a mistrust schema or I have you know trouble really expressing my needs and my desires within my life, how would you suggest that they begin to approach removing that brick wall or those obstacles to be able to reconnect with the laws of manifestation and laws of attraction? Well, a couple things. One is you start with yourself and self-love and a feeling of worthiness. And, um, you know, if you grew up in a dysfunctional family or you were heavily influenced by a religion that um, emphasize that you're not worthy, you're really lucky to have God's grace, um, that's where you start. And Louise Hay has a beautiful book, um, Heal Your Life, where she has affirmation after affirmation, but she suggests people go in the mirror and look at it and, and say these affirmations and look in their eyes. And that can be very powerful work. Um, and just looking in terms of being aware of your life, how are you acting in love? Are you acting in love if you're beating yourself up? No. Are you acting in love if you um, continue to get into the same pattern? No. And so really start sending a healing energy to yourself. So many people on this show are better healers. But the healing often is going outward without looking at maybe the fact that they could use their healing powers to self-heal. And um, so that's a piece. The second piece is when you start a new pattern, the neurological pathways in the brain want to go back to that old pattern. It's an addictive hit like heroin. And so anytime you start a new pattern, you're going to be, and that means starting a new pattern means maybe being able to receive this good stuff you're going to be feeling not in your comfort zone. And that's a good thing. I had a, a, a woman that I do Native American sweats with who I asked her, you know, how do I get rid of this pattern of having these men that are, you know, very critical of me and, and sometimes not mentally balanced. And she actually had had a bipolar husband who was very, very, um, had to be institutionalized and, you know, it was a very violent relationship. And she's with a lovely man now. And she said the first year she was with him, she kept feeling like it didn't feel right. And she realized it was because he was so different from what she had experienced. And I myself have had that. And it's because if we're used to having a lot of drama and a lot of crisis and a lot of feeling like a victim, there's a part of us a subconscious part that that feels comfortable because that's what we know. So it's retraining yourself to be able to receive. And the first part is you receive because you're worthy and you love yourself. And the second part is knowing that at first it doesn't feel comfortable. 
That is a very, very important point, I think, is receiving out of worthiness. And I think that it's important here to bring up the point of, well, what if there's a perceived failure and it's hard to grab that worthiness or that love that's in front of me or in front of me or a person because of the fact that they can't digest. It's so foreign. It can't go down. Mm-hmm. Well, baby steps. You know, little exercises in terms of self-love and, you know, affirming that you're worthy, treating yourself well. I mean, I remember watching a woman at a, a book festival who uh, had come to the book festival and her, she was an older woman and her feet were cracked all over. And I remember thinking, you know, she doesn't love herself because self-love is taking a few minutes to put lotion on your feet at night. You know? <laughs> um, it's true. You know, it's true. Yeah. I mean, and I had another friend who would go, it's pouring down rain here where I am right now. She would walk around without a raincoat or an umbrella and she would just say, well, I'm too busy. I'm too... But I realized that actually there was a part of her that said, I'm not worth the time it takes to grab an umbrella or a raincoat. And then, you know, she so was sitting sit in a meeting just shaking because she was cold. <laughs> literally, it's, it's important for us to become aware of the things that we are willing or not willing to do for ourselves that allows us to create a joyful, wonderful, vivacious, rich experience for ourselves. That's exactly right. Um, and uh, when I was learning coaching, we had a, a phrase, something that we learned that were, was, um, uh, you know, toleration. And, you know, what do we tolerate in our life? And you had to make a list of tolerations. And what you learned was a lot of those things you were tolerating, like, Maybe a coworker's music is too loud on the other side of the cubicle, or uh, you know, maybe you were seeing a relative who put you down too much, or you know, little little things. Whatever you were tolerating, you had to look at: was it draining your energy? Were you having to put up a lot of energy to try to ignore it, or to try to push it down, or just to try to survive in it? And then the the task was to try to change those tolerations or come to a point of accepting them so there wasn't so much irritation in the background, kind of background noise that that jostles us around. And we think, well, it's not worth getting too upset about, but we're still, there's still a part of us that's irritated. It's, it's as if... It's as if we all have to just go within and really find our own truth to be able to bring in the higher essence of who we are using prayer, using laws of manifestation, and being okay with the baby steps of the process to really bring it into full fruition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, go ahead. Uh-huh. No, go ahead. I was going to say that... Um, you know, I was one of these people that seized the day was not a good motto for because I thought I had to do everything in one day. And I was so driven. And my mantra now is life is long. And so if you think life is long, I mean, not in a way that life is long so you put off doing things, but if you have like a relaxation that that things will be in flow, 
that you'll get done what you need to get done, then the idea of baby steps is more appealing. I really appreciate you mentioning the baby steps, and I know you've brought them up throughout the hour. I, in my own experience, have written that since day one. God, I can take baby steps, but I cannot leap. My mind cannot grasp it. I am logical. (laughs) (laughs) Baby steps, please. And that's one of the things I always tell my clients. I go, you know, if I think, God, I really want to move, I'm going to get up and move to New York. I'll go to New York for about six weeks and I'll be back here in California because it's just too big of a leap for me to go coming from Southern California, 70 degrees year-round, one end of the country to the other, (laughs) to into a different environment. I mean, it's just so extreme. So if that's my goal, maybe start moving to the Midwest and working my way to the East. Or, hey, how about visiting New York for a week or two first? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just really taking the baby steps to manifest the ultimate desires versus thinking, i got to get it all done today, like you said. And I think that's a really great point. A lot of your clients, and I know my clients and my the people that I'm connected with, are very logical beings because we've evolved with backgrounds in the corporate world and the academic world and in the scientific world. And so it is important to grasp the spiritual process in a way that makes sense to one's framework. Mm-hmm. And I think that you do a great job, of, again, of bringing up in the book, excuse me, your God is waiting, just exercises that allow people to be a CEO or a a mom at home or a person who's just beginning their spiritual endeavors. And to do, for instance, there's an exercise that the magician's um, energy, a magician's energy, do you recall that exercise? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that was just such a good example of how anybody can just sit down and grab this information. And this exercise basically just asks you, to picture yourself as a magician using a wand of light and pure light and white and sparkles and to create and manifest what you desire just invoking it through the wand. Whether you want to create a productive company you take public or whether you want to raise the most amazing, service-driven, successful children. Mm-hmm. That's, using a tool like that can really help people to ground and take the baby steps to create that ultimate desired success. Mhm. Mhm. I did an interview the other day where somebody said, "Well, what about people who like don't um, believe in the law of attraction? They won't even try it." And I, 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 I teach people, and I say, "Well, okay, so you don't have to, but why don't you try doing getting yourself a parking spot the next time you're going to a meeting?" <laughs> However, you need to work. Yeah. It. <laughs> right. Right. And I had somebody say, "Hey, I got a free cup of coffee." Exactly. I I love the law of manifestation. I'll share one of my fun stories. So I I had just um, moved back from college from up north, and I was actually graduate, more of a graduate program. And I had just come home, and I had had these four tires on my SUV for about probably about two and a half years, and they had sustained through the redwoods and, I don't know, probably about 65,000 miles or so. Wow. So they had had their day, and and I knew I needed new tires, but financially I was not in a predicament to get four new tires after just moving, within a week of right. moving. And so I'm literally seeing metal coming through the tires, and I'm just like, okay, God, I have no idea what to do. Universe, help. So they just said, okay, they sh- I got the picture of the discount tire store that I needed to go to. So I saw the picture. I showed up. And I stood there on the other side of the counter, and I just said, okay, universe, whatever serves the higher good, bring it on. 
And I started putting gold energy around myself and then gold energy around the gentleman behind the counter, just splattering them with gold and just saying, whatever serves the higher good of all, but I know I need four new tires and I know you brought me here. And he looks at me and he gives me the quote of $650. Well, I have $120 cash on me, cash. And that's what I have to buy my four new tires. <laughs> and the universe knows this. Okay, they, they know what I'm in, the predicament I'm in. And so I just went, okay, God, angels, archangels, ascended masters, bring it on. What are you doing? And he, he flips the computer screen at me because he saw my face when he said 600. He turned it back around, did a few things, flipped the screen around. It said 107.65. And I went, oh, my God, you rock, God, you rock. You're the best. And I was like, now that is a point of manifestation where it's not about being spiritual. And, I mean, it's great to be spiritual because you need those beliefs to use what I just presented. But it was about getting new tires for me to drive to work, for me to get to the beach, for me to go to my classes. (laughs) (laughs) So I could definitely appreciate the the, uh, mundane applications of the law of attraction. It does. It can be your. It can be medical insurance. It can be a new job. It there doesn't have to be all fancy schmancy and you know grandiose. Absolutely. So I think that's a fun point for people to see how that can manifest for itself. And sometimes we don't think, like in that moment where he says the $600, we don't think we're going to get out of it. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And then there, and then he, he just he saw my face. It said everything. I didn't have to say a word. <laughs> he just, and it was like, God's grace is awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so in, in that example and in the book, you talk about this. How important is getting your mind out of the way to use these principles then? Oh, it's so important because our inner critic is constantly telling us that we are less than who we are, that we are, our, our course of action is wrong, um, you know, it doubt mongers. And so, um, and, and frankly, it rationalizes a lot. You know, like I have people who say, well, my logic is what gets me. And I said, you know what? Let me tell you a little story about logic. My logic kept telling me to stay in an abusive marriage because it got so wrapped up in, well, I got to stay for my kids. Well, I got to stay for money. Well, I love him, and if we can just work harder, I don't want a divorce. All that stuff. And I said, it didn't dawn on me till my heart came up big that that was not the right course of action. So if we can move our head out of the way and just go into our heart space, that's when sometimes we can most connect with this whole idea of feeling something, of believing something, of um, really knowing something on a deeper level than just in our heads, where that little chatter is going to keep going on and telling us, you know, we're just not going to be able to make it. And uh, so you get in a whole argument with yourself about it. I think that is so absolutely true. This morning I had that conversation with myself. I looked in the mirror and I go, okay, God. I woke up. I wake up really early when I get revelations. So I was up this morning about 3 a.m. with my revelations. And so I had my journal out and I got all these, this awareness. And then I went into the bathroom. I looked in the mirror and I just went, all right, God, I have no idea. In any way in my mind, can my mind grab what you've just presented to me at all? My mind says, <laughs> you're speaking another language. I can't even understand you. 
but my heart says it's on. It's good. Let's do it. How do we? Where do we go? How do we do it? What's the next step? And then a peace just overcomes me that I'll know those things. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just how my experience just happened just today. So I thought I'd share. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. That's so powerful. And it's it's heard, important. And I have heard other people say this, three in the morning, four in the morning, thing happens to them. And, of course, your mind is out of the way then, too. But you're waking up in kind of pure soul essence. And that is what I need to get my mind out of the way. <laughs> I have a very strong mind. I have a very logical, orderly background with a scientific background. So for me, when I had that experience in Mount Shasta in 2002, a few years back, that was very profound. Um, I, I, at that point, knew that I had to learn to receive at 3 or 4 in the morning because it was the only time, again, those baby steps that I would let the information in, my framework and paradigm in the day was just too strong. Well, you know, I had that story in my book about how, you know, my ex-husband had told me uh, that he wanted me to die on the operating table before I went into surgery. And I sat there. I mean, I was in total, it just totally threw me into this huge upheaval. But I sat there in the waiting room with him, ready to go into surgery, upset, but my mind busily telling me, oh, you know, he just does mean things sometimes and this and that and this and that. And then I went under in anesthesia and I came back up hollering and screaming and crying and saying I'm not dead. And I, I didn't, he came up to the, the, the gurney is being like pushed along with me on it. He came up to me uh, to make sure I was okay out of surgery and I turned my face and I couldn't bear to see him. And I got put in my room and I told the nurse to keep him out of my room. And it was just like my head had to get out of the way for my heart to come up and say, uh, excuse me. <laughs> yes, yes. This, Give this me your God is waiting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I see that. And then is this where in the book you introduced the concept of your hike? Where you had set out on a hike that you had done previously in a former relationship years back and you knew you just had to go hike this mountain again? Yes. Yes. Yes, Yes, it was, um, I had been in a very profound relationship after my divorce with a man who was very spiritual and um, had realized that on some other level I had recreated the same thing, very, very critical, same kind of mental health issues. And um, so we broke up and he he went and uh, got with another woman who he told me over and over again he found so attractive within seven days of us breaking up. So uh, even though I knew it was the right thing for me to do and probably the right thing for him to do and definitely the right thing for him to do to me because it meant I wouldn't go back, um, (laughs) (laughs) I still had so much suffering around it and so much mind chatter. And um, this hike was a way of kind of reclaiming my power and really allowing me to say, you know, I am gonna, I am gonna conquer this mountain. Very, very rugged climb, and I'm a small woman, and so uh, it was, uh, it was very strenuous for me to go without a partner pushing me or helping me up. Um, but I just felt like such a champion when I got to the top, and a process came up in that, which I call the three power, uh, three chain, three power change process, which. 
uh, you know, first all this chatter was coming up and I realized I was being unloving to myself, that I was torturing myself with all this, thinking about him and her and what did they think of me and very ego-driven. And so I say to my clients, the first thing to do when you have all that negative chatter is a call to love. If I'm being loving to myself, can I send loving energy? Like you said, surrounding yourself with gold and surrounding the um, salesman with gold at the tire place. You know, am I sending myself beautiful colored energy? Am Am I giving myself violet flame? Am I giving myself gold? Am I surrounding myself with green compassion? Um, and physically feeling it and just being loving and reminding ourselves, are we loving? And then if it keeps chattering, which it did on the time, I called a change, called action. So what I did was I stopped and smelled flowers, and I went and I touched rocks, and I tried tried to tactically change where I was going. And I think I started singing. Well, that still didn't work because this was really deeply entrenched. And sure. so the, la- the last thing I did was um, call to God, and I just said, God, this is too much. I, I, I need to have this leave me because it is just too much for me. It's just I'm not seeing the walk. I'm not feeling the hike because it's just my big head walking around obsessed with this topic. And um, a peace just rolled over me. Yes, peace is wonderful. So, you know, surrender is huge because with surrender, it doesn't mean like you're not creating and you're not manifesting, but but sometimes just saying, I surrender, um, it allows God the space to come in and help us. Yes, that's so true. And I, I want to bring up the very important point that you also bring up through the book in many stories is ask. Ask, ask, ask. Ask and you shall receive. But I think I learned this in the Clairvoyant program and it just comes up over and over for me every time I, oh, I really want to know this. Okay, well then ask, duh. Like how else are you going to get the answer? (laughs) So, you know, and then I also, I told a client the other day, I said, okay, think about this. If you have a very logical mind, which we all do on some level, most of us have a, a logic to it just to varying degrees, and then we get a really spiritual answer it's hard to receive the spiritual answer if we haven't asked it from our logical mind. So when we actually pose the questions from a mind stance like, okay, God, what's this? Or, okay, creator, or whoever, whatever. Okay, love. You know, what's going to happen in my relationship? Or what's my next job step? Or, you know, why am I on earth? Like, what am I here to do? Am I here to communicate my truth? Am I here to teach others? Am I here to heal? Am I here to do all of it? And by just by asking those questions from a mind standpoint, when spirit brings the answers, the mind is more receptive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so ask, ask, ask. And again, you point that out throughout your book, through your stories and your exercises in Excuse Me, Your God is Waiting, how important it is to ask. And I just really wanted to reiterate that from my own experience and with my clients, it's just really often we don't receive if we have not asked. Well, and we don't ask because we don't think we're worthy. And that is so true. So really recognizing the worth, the inherent divine love that awaits you, that created you, and that sustains your heartbeat today and every day on earth. Of course it wants to answer your questions. Of course it wants to support you on a higher path, on a new journey, and a greater endeavor. 
And so just to begin by acknowledging your worth and asking, and then you shall receive. It is only in the divine manifestation that we can bring our desire creations from the highest heavens down to earth to positively impact humanity. The source of all supply comes from the same source of all of earth's creations, which can be accessed by you and me through prayer, the law of attraction, positive intent, and by believing. All of humanity deserves to live in abundance, fulfillment, supply, and joy. Begin your desired manifestations today and be sure to include the idea if it serves the higher good of all with any and all manifestations. Next week on September 4th, Michael Tamora will offer his divine and wise teachings about learning to validate our true selves and developing inner certainty and certainty in the divinity. He will offer a healing meditation following based upon these valuable topics. Be certain to join us for an unforgettable experience. On September 11th, Carol Obley will offer her deeply powerful book that gently reminds us that true love is eternal love. The barrier of physicality is an illusion, and her compelling and true stories that richly fill the pages in her book release, I Am Still With You, True Stories of Healing Grief Through Spirit Communication. On September 18th, Jocelyn Chaplin will be offering from the UK her highly integrated and deeply enlightening perspective in her book release, Deep Equality, Living in the Flow of Natural Rhythm. On September 25th, Sarah McLean will appear with her meditative expertise, she is the director of the Sedona Meditation Training Company and inspires seekers to take time out for time in through meditation. She has vast experience, including her work with Deepak Chopra and Gary Zukov. Sarah will take us through an inspirational meditation live. On October 2nd, Robert Bruce will offer his thorough look into the astral realms in his rich book release, Astral Dynamics. On October 9th, Dr. Susan Carroll with her enlightened book, Visions from Venus, a multidimensional love story. Susan offers a look into the higher dimensions and how they appear on Earth in times of great transition and transformation through a real-life story. On October 16th, Robert Schwartz will be appearing with his wise and insightful perspective on pre-birth planning, or a spirit's look at the events and people that one may encounter during their human existence through revealing true stories and a strong emphasis on Robert's personal experience in the book release, Courageous Souls, Do We Plan Our Life's Challenges Before Birth? On October 30th, Barbara Hanclaw will offer a look into the higher realms with her multidimensional expertise and revolutionary concepts from her book release, Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, Decoding the Vertical Axes, Crop Circles, and the Mayan Calendar, and from her vast array of enlightened teachings also to include her book, The Mayan Code. On November 6th, Chrissy Blaze will appear to discuss her latest astrological book release, Baby Star Signs, who portrays the new children of today as quote-unquote old souls who have come here during the crossroads to shift humanity to enlightenment in its evolutionary development. On November 13th, Barbara Marks Hubbard, a leading pioneer of conscious evolution, will be appearing with her expansive consciousness with her meaningful book release, Conscious Evolution, Awakening the Power of Our Social Potential. On December 4th, please join me with Albert Clayton Golden and his authentic perspective in his re-release by Simon & Schuster of his book, You're Not Who You Think You Are, A Breakthrough Guide to Discovering the Authentic You. Albert will bring a new lens to authenticity and expand your horizons. Please join us. On December 11th, Chrissy Blaze will be reappearing with her latest astrological book release, 
Superstar Signs, Sun Signs of Celebrities, Heroes, and You. Join us as we delve into the astrological realms and discover our true nature. On December 18th, Jerry Wenstrom will appear with his passionate warrior story of transformation during his first personal spiritual journey in his long-lived book, The Inspired Heart, An Artist's Journey of Transformation. And on January 1st, 2009, Richard Lawrence will appear on Evolution Revolution for a two-hour New Year's special. During the first hour, Richard will guide you to, quote-unquote, unlock your psychic powers with his latest book release, It's Great Sun. And be sure to join us during the second hour when Richard will unveil the mysterious truth about UFOs and, and will discuss why they make visits to planet Earth. Richard and I truly look forward to you joining us for a most special New Year's 2009 broadcast of Evolution Revolution. You can purchase all of the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. They're available 24 hours a day to listen or for downloading at no charge. The archives include amazing talents such as Debbie Jordan, Alan Arcieri, Chrissy and Gary Blaze, Jana Hollingsworth, Marcia Scarborough, Eva Dominguez Jr., Michael Skorowski, Dr. Susan Carroll, Karen Sawyer, Dr. Daniel Condren, Dr. Laurel Clark, Gary Zukov, Dr. Adrian Windsor, Neil Donald Walsh, Taylor Wilshire, Dr. Barbara Condren, Jeff Brown, Anna Maria Hemingway, Charles Virtue, Michael Tamora, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings via the web and can reach out to people anywhere. You can discover and explore my testimonials at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Also, be sure to check out my new blog at www.evolutionrevolutionwithdulcinea.com for weekly postings and guest announcements for Evolution Revolution. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Radio Sponsors tab on the website. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Michelle Epiphany Prosser. Thank you, Michelle, so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. You've got a wonderful light. Thank you. I appreciate that. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Abundant angel blessings. Have a great day.